For the audiologists and dispensers that, we, that we've talked to, and especially those that we brought on board, they understand it, they get it, and they love it. You know, that's, that's a mission for them. And what's really interesting for a lot of the folks that we bring on, you know, and you understand this well, you know, when you were trained as, uh, when you're trained as an audiologist, you know, you're trained on how to care for the person, how to understand um, their hearing loss and how to address it. Um, and that's patient care. Welcome to episode 22 of the Hear Me Out podcast with Mark Trong. Today we're joined by the co-founder and chief clinical and science officer of Ego, Daniel Shen. So thank you so much for joining us, Daniel. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, I'd just love to hear a bit of a story about what is Ego um, and what does the organization do? Absolutely. So uh, Ergo is a hearing aid company based out of uh, California. And what we do is provide kind of a kind of full, complete package in terms of hearing aid, design, development, manufacturing, marketing, sales, support, counseling. Um, and what that, um, what that means is um, folks can go to Ergo and get a device that is completely uh, designed and built by us and also get um, uh, support through telehealth through a licensed audiologist and hearing aid specialist. Awesome. Um, so you've had quite a number of hearing aids produced by yourself. Um, I think, I really love your design of the, your hearing aid. I think it's really quite a unique um, design. It separates itself from um, traditional designs. I know you guys have the flexi tips and it looks quite sleek. How did you guys come up with the design? Um, and why didn't you go for more of a traditional look? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it probably goes back down into, um, you know, the why of where Ergo was, uh, where Ergo was created. And if I may go into maybe a bit of a diversion there, um, yeah. you know, Ergo was created, um, uh, myself and two other founders, Raphael, Michelle, and Florent Michel, when we started looking at, uh, you know, why it was that so many people who needed uh, hearing aids just don't get them. Yeah. And it started with trying to understand that, um, that little bit of a puzzle. Uh, and, you know, in doing so, we, we said, okay, let's, let's take it and um, just start asking the people who uh, have the most at stake. We talked to a lot of people who um, have hearing loss, who did and did not wear hearing aids. Uh, we talked to, you know, people in the industry, people who in academia who studied it, um, you know, hundreds of folks overall and uh, started mm -hmm. to get a pattern that emerged as to why people weren't getting hearing aids. Um, and there are five big things that kind of stood out. And they are things that, you know, you being in the field probably aren't, uh, they aren't probably remarkably new, but at the same time, there were things that came up over and over again. Um, and the five things were, you know, one, that people had a big issue with the uh, stigma of hearing aids and hearing loss in general. And it was something that, you know, unfortunately um, it makes them feel old or it makes them feel that very self-conscious 
when they are wearing them, even if they're fairly discreet, um, that they're just worried that other people would see them and judge them. So mm. stigma was a huge one. The other piece was comfort. So something that uh, would be able to be in your ear uh, and be able to be worn for you know, 16 hours a day, full day, et cetera, um, and would be able to move with your ear canal uh, when you talked or yawned or chewed or just went about your day. Yeah. Um, while being, you know, moves with you, very airy, um, that didn't quite exist in something that was uh, small uh, and discreet as well. Yeah, and just to speak about that, I think a lot of the general public don't understand um, all the features of hearing aids and that kind of form factor. Um, I know I've been getting and testing out the new 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 hero buds and um, they're fantastic for hearing, but the minute I put them on, I realize because I've been using hearing aids as earbuds for the past month that there's a lot yeah. of occlusion and yeah. um, it's quite a different Absolutely. experience. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of things change when you go from something that, you know, is a, uh, maybe a Bluetooth headset um, or some, uh, some other devices where, you know, you go from say a few hours of wear to like a full day of wear, you know, a lot of, you know, every little, every little bit that can cause pressure in your ear or that uh, provides occlusion is going to, is going to amplify in terms of how much you feel that and how much you experience it. So that comfort is huge. Um, you know, I mean, going back to that, those are the, those are the first two big ones, but mm -hmm. then, then we, you know, we also saw that ease of use was a huge one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, most hearing aids, um, you know, especially at the time that we started a year ago, uh, uh, required folks to change a tiny battery, say, you know, about six millimeters in diameter. Um, and people have uh, limited dexterity and vision and that kind of thing is pretty fiddly or changing um, uh, communicating with the device, pressing tiny little buttons or dials uh, was a big issue. Uh, so yeah. making it something that was really easy to use and simple to use um, within the demographic uh, was really important. Um, and the next two were, you know, ease of ease of access. So you know, in certain places you have ready access to uh, a, a brick and mortar clinician, audiologist, hearing specialist. Um, and a lot of that, a lot of that interaction, in addition to the, you know getting the hearing aid, the interaction for support and counseling is really important. But if people yes. have to go out and drive to um, uh, get the uh, hearing aid and get support, mobility and access to that person was something that was also uh, an issue. Uh, and so, drastically improving access was a huge one. Finally, price. So in the U.S., where we operate. Um, uh, hearing aids are, generally speaking, uh, private pay. So yep. people would pay out of pocket for their hearing aids. And um, it was something where the price uh, on average uh, being you know, over $4,000 for a pair of hearing aids was something that was really high for a lot of folks. So those are the, the big five things, you know, stigma, comfort, ease of use, access, and price. And for us, we said, okay, if if these are the things that come up over and over again as the biggest issues for customers, let's take a step back 
and without being constrained to any any kind of uh, pre-existing notion of what a hearing aid should look like or the form would be like or how um, how we should you know the best medium in which to provide the care let's design this from the ground up yeah and say how would we create um, a hearing aid that functions really well addresses people's hearing loss but also addresses these these big kind of needs gaps um, and that's that's you know to your point your earlier question saying it you know it doesn't look like anything else and and for us, it was saying, you know, there's there is a lot of history for why hearing aids look like they do, but if you if you were willing to go back and say we are willing to re-examine every little piece of the hearing aid and see what makes sense now, yeah, would it look the same? And for us, the answer was no. Um, and so, going back to the design, I think you know to make it to make it something that would address the stigma associated with hearing loss, we needed to make it extremely small. Um, And so uh, we worked with, uh, you know, on our team, a number of uh, expert microelectronics folks to really miniaturize the device to be as small as possible so it can fit invisibly in the ear, but also do so in a way that, uh, you know, to your point earlier on occlusion, left a lot of room for air to pass through and for the device to be able to breathe and let the ear breathe. And then from a comfort standpoint, um, we had Florent Michel, one of, our, uh, one of our founders, who was an ENT surgeon. And he, he had been working you know, for decades um, you know, in the ear and, and trying to, and, mm. and um, was thinking about how to suspend all the electronics and the device in the ear in as comfortable and healthy a way as possible. And he came up with the initial design yeah. for the uh, the flexi fibers, um, which were a uh, a way to allow for the device to fit just about any kind of ear canal, and be able to allow for a huge amount of breathability and airflow, yeah. low frequency pass through, and you know that got both of those the size, miniaturization, and the flexi fibers um, allowed it to be essentially invisible for most people and also something where, uh, you know, once they wear it, a lot of people forget they, they even have it on. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting. I wanted to go back to, um, yeah, I want to find out what is the level of technology like in the egos? I know as you go smaller, as, um, you try to miniaturize things, you do lose a few functions and um, especially um, audiologists may be looking at it going, this offering is two, $3,000. How does it compare to other hearing aids on the market? Where, where does it sit? Because you don't have all the um, other expenses from the audiologist um, in a brick and mortar store. So how does it compare? Yeah, super good question. I mean, the, you know, the heart of the device is still a, you know, full function, completely modern digital hearing aid. And so it has yep. all the controls um, uh, that you'd come to expect from any modern hearing aid. Uh, the sound quality is, you know, right up there with the best uh, of the hearing aids. And the, uh, the control that we have internally um, mm. is as well. I think we, but at the same time, you know, what we're doing is saying, what is the user concerned about? They're concerned okay. about a device 
you know, what is it they want? They want a device that functions. So, so we tune it so that, you know, it um, uh, addresses people's hearing loss and mm. uh, gives them good clarity of speech and good sound quality. But that shouldn't be the focus, right? The focus should be once they have that, you know, what are the next pieces that they want? And, and generally speaking, when we, you know, mm. when we talk to people, they want a device that, that works, yeah. that disappears um, visually when they put it on. You know, they, want to see, they want to make it so that you know, when they put it on, they don't see it and they trust that other people don't see it. And it disappears yeah. from feel. And mm. it's something that um, uh, you know, they put it in and they forget they're wearing it. And then, and then a lot of the, a lot of the features are going into, you know, how does this, how does this fit into someone's daily life? Um, you know, yep. we talked about ease of use was a huge one. So there's a lot of work mm. on the technology that went into um, making this a rechargeable device. So this is the only yep. kind of, kind of CIC, IIC level device that's rechargeable that lasts for a full day. Um, mm. And there's, you know, every other device, if people are looking for something that's invisible, they still have to deal with batteries. Um, we also kind of removed all buttons and dials from the device, made it completely, completely um, uh, kind of sleek and buttonless and to make sure that it, you know, lasts longer, but it's also something that they don't have to fiddle with. So for yeah. our device, they just double tap on the ear and the device mm -hmm. recognizes that and it changes programs and that's how you communicate with the device. Um, yeah, and so these was, are, yeah, go ahead. Um, it was something which I didn't really understand when we were talking about it a week ago. Why wouldn't yeah. people want like a whole bunch of buttons and a whole bunch of functions? Because uh, I've been, I'm getting the phone act paradise in next week and I'm like, it has two buttons on each ear. It has tap control on both ears, which means that I can set eight different functions if I have hold and double tap and touch and <laughs> and all of that. But I was having a conversation with my grandma and she's yeah. got the Stylado X's, which are super sleek. They don't have any buttons. And I was going, this is terrible. Why would anyone not want buttons? But um, having a conversation with her, I realized that a lot of older people with dexterity issues or who just can't figure out which one's top and which one's bottom I don't really need or don't really want all that functions. They just want a hearing aid which works which works all the time. And yeah, that's what we fully hear automatic. all the time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's funny, right? Like and and you you mentioned this really interesting kind of dynamic where, you know, me and you, I think we are folks that are uh, very big into, you know, a lot of uh, controls and technology, you know, uh, you know, I'm coming, you know, studying from MIT, I'm really into tech. And I think, you know, if we were building a hearing aid that was designed for us, it looks very different from a hearing aid that's designed for, you know, your grandma or parents, or frankly, the majority of people who need hearing aids. Mm. And I think, I think it's, I think it's one of these things where we we didn't go in saying like we definitely know what people want out of a hearing aid. We went in saying let's let's keep a really open mind and listen to what people want in a hearing aid. And mm -hmm. so when we designed it, we heard that exact story over and over again. I just want it to work. I don't want to be sitting there and filling with buttons all the time. I don't want to be remembering what all these different different controls are. And we could have put tons of controls on the device 
But the, the thing that came in over and over again was simplicity. I want to put it in. I want it to work. I want it to be invisible and comfortable, and I want to forget about it. And if someone can put in a device and have, have improved hearing and forget about it during their day and go about their day, you know, having the conversations they want, engaging the way they want, that's, that's a win. Yeah, I think it's shifting the perspective from, hey, you have this additional device that you have to put on, you have to charge, you have to do that, to, hey, your ears are working as best as we can make them work, and you don't have to put in too much effort, you don't have to concentrate too much that, hey, I don't have my normal hearing as I did when I was in my 20s, it's more like just putting you back in the situations you wanted to get back into without thinking so much. Right. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think that's huge just, just to be able to give folks that. And I would say the industry and many industries have a hard time getting to that point and saying, let's design something that, that the people we're designing for want to use, you know, not, we're not designing for us, the engineers, the designers, or the audiologists or hearing aid specialists. Although all these people have a huge wealth of knowledge, you know, they're not the end customer. You know, let's, if, you know, what, let's sit down and figure out exactly what the end customer wants. And, and, you know, um, uh, it was to your point exactly. And what we heard over and over again, we just want something that's really simple. And I think providing something that's really simple is not easy, right? You know, and, you know, taking, uh, you know, almost cliched at this point, but if you look at something like an Apple versus some other devices or some other competition, you know, it's, it's a lot harder to strip away features and get down to the essence of what someone wants and to create a simple and empathetic user experience. And I think that comes from really having the ability to understand and empathize with, with the people who are going to use your device and um, having to a certain extent that conviction that yeah. you can create something that addresses their needs without having to, without having to add all these extra little features that um, to define yourself. Yeah, it's really interesting when you were speaking about you've you've taken the design um, and built it from the ground up because you're not looking to copy anybody else. You're not looking at um, building devices which look like their predecessors. You're looking at creating a device which purely works. Um, it's interesting as Apple have produced their AirPods for a number of years now and their new um, AirPod Pros their design is completely different from everyone else. When it first came out, people were like, what are those toothbrushes in your ear? <laughs> and now it's just, <laughs> just normal. And Samsung's just released their um, Buds Live, which look like kidney beans. And apparently the feedback's been saying that they've been really good. And it's cool to see more companies coming up with unique designs, which 
generally people wouldn't think would work or wouldn't fit the need or things like that. Are there any companies out there, um, maybe in the tech space, maybe in the medical space, which you look up to um, and are following closely, which are doing a really amazing job at the moment? Yeah, I think, you know, I think classically and, uh, you know, let's talk about companies that are fairly um, decently well-known and uh, easy, easy to relate to. I think, you know, both Apple and Tesla, I would say are companies that, Mm -hmm. um, that really say we are willing to design from the ground up. And the reality is, I think a lot of folks don't do that because it's hard. (laughs) Uh, It it, it goes back again to say like, uh, to a certain extent, that conviction and your trust and your ability to understand um, and to find out what folks want, um, and then to design something that's completely that's that completely you know flies in the face of what everyone has done for decades. And the reality is, everyone's going to come at you and say, "Hey, why why does your stuff look different? Why why is you know why does this look not like anything else that I've seen?" Like. Is there something you're missing? Are you missing? sure this works? Exactly. Are you sure that this years. is, is going to work? It, this makes yeah. no sense. And why would, you know, that, why would we not have done it before if it works? <laughs> absolutely. And you hear that over and over and over again. And it's hard to kind of uh, stand back and, you know, as a, a, a small company, a founder, whatnot, and say like, yeah, no, this is, I, you know, we've done the work. We've, We've really listened to folks, and this this is something that we we um, we develop exactly to their needs, and we understand why the these differences will make sense for the end user, and we also understand why folks haven't done this in the past, and that's you know, and that's hard. And I think one thing that one thing that um, you know, to your point, these these types of companies, and you know, I'll list you know, Apple and Tesla do is they're willing to do that, and they're also willing to to re-examine everything along the whole path, right? And so going, going down into it, you know, every little, every little millimeter, a tenth of a millimeter on this device is considered. And that takes a lot of work too. Like if you could just take a kind of a relatively stock design and put a few different angles and curves here and maybe some new colors here, that's a pretty reasonable way to look at it and a fairly easy way to develop something quickly. You know, some of the examples that we have is like, you know, every, every angle and thickness of those flexi fibers and flexi palms and whatnot is painstakingly <laughs> designed and tested and iterated upon until we get it right. So, so that it lies down, provides just the right amount of pressure as it goes into the ear. So it's nice and comfortable so that the, um, acoustic impedance as it fits in the ear is exactly where we want it so that it has, you know, the right amount of um, uh, kind of asymmetry in how it, it um, uh, the amount of force it takes to go in versus out so it doesn't migrate out of the ear. All of that is painstakingly thought out. And even the small details that people would normally want to think about, like let's say the pull tab that you take the device out of the ear. You know, normally people pop in a little fishing line, put on a bulb, sticks out of the ear. And then, but then that's visible. And so, you know, an example here is within Ergo, we said, you know, with, with the pull tab, we're going to make it, we're going to make it angled down 
So it lies in the intertragal notch. But we also know that everyone's intertragal notch and the contours of their ear are going to be different. So we're going to make a constant curve there so that no matter what the exact angle, it's going to continue to angle down and still lie in that inter intertragal notch. And so like all of that, and, and it takes a ton more work, but, but at the end of the day, if it, if we can take on the work and make something at the end, that's super simple and thoughtful for the user to have, we'll do it. We'll happily do that. Um, and so I think you see that with these companies that are willing to kind of reinvent and consider every little detail. But then, you know, as we go down the path of, they also are willing to reconsider how these devices are sold, how these devices are supported and what the whole holistic experience is for the user. I have to give credit to Sam Faulkner, who's also in the call recording it at the moment um, for this question. But how does your background in medicine, in engineering, and in design shape the way you approach this, shape the way you, you work and um, the way you've really constructed this company from the ground up? Um, I'm, I know there's a lot of people on the medicine side, there's a lot of people in the engineering side, and a lot of people in the design side. Having somebody with all three of those um, skill sets are quite, quite unique. And I think having a real understanding of all three components is really important when designing a product which is for an end consumer who needs a medical device. Yeah, no, I mean, I think um, for me, it's been, uh, yeah, I think I've been very fortunate to be able to have all these perspectives, right? And so, um, and it all, you know, surprisingly seemed to fit for me. It seems a little bit weird and unusual, <laughs> but, you know, uh, yeah, to your point, you know, I studied engineering at uh, MIT and then studied medicine at Stanford and had uh, understand kind of uh, consumer electronics and consumer product design at the MIT Media Lab, and also started another medical device company, um, Leaf Healthcare, before a year ago. And I think, you know, everyone everyone's a collection of their experiences and mm -hmm. what they can draw on from from inspiration and perspectives. And for me, this has been very helpful. It's certainly not the only way to go about this, but what's nice is let's go back. Everyone should start at, I think, understanding what the, what the user need is and where the user is coming from. But once you have that, what you do with it is a good question. And for a lot of yep. folks, um, you know, uh, you know, it, if they have a more limited or, um, or they limit themselves to a certain tool set, that's what they're going to apply to it. Right. I think yeah. some of the best folks are able to say, um, I'm going to think pretty broadly in terms of what the potential tool sets are. Are the tool sets going to be something from a mechanical engineering side? Are they going to be something from an electrical engineering standpoint? Are they going to be from a software AI standpoint? Um, are they going to be from a medical standpoint? Are they going to be from a business standpoint? Are they going to yeah. be from a marketing standpoint? And you know, basically anyone with, I think, to be fair, anyone with a really open mind and a, and a willingness and ability to get comfortable in these realms can apply, yeah. can apply the, a broad tool set to solving these needs. 
um, for me, you know, I, I sought out building a tool set in this way, as you know, as you mentioned, getting different experience elsewhere, but you know, lots of people can get it many different ways and you can, yes. you can become, you can become familiar and, um, comfortable in, in these different realms. But w the problem is if someone is, uh, you know, is only willing to take a, yeah. you know, one particular toolbox and become familiar with that, then all their, all their solutions are going to come out of that tool set. <laughs> and something um, which I learned building this podcast on top of my studies, having to learn how to do marketing and sales and liaising with sponsors and filming and doing all that. I think it's really your willingness to learn new things all the time because um, I've been watching a lot of creators on YouTube <laughs> trying to figure out how to do reviews and things like that. And I think what they've been saying is really true. You have to have a basic understanding of what the people you hire do so that you know whether they're doing the right thing if that makes sense like yeah you have you yourself have to have a basic skill set of most of the roles in the company or you have to hire somebody as your ceo or your coo who knows all those skill sets so that you're able to really understand where things are going where you need to be tweaking where you need to be pulling from different departments who you need to be hiring and I think it's really amazing to see that um, in Ego that you guys have managed to pull together a team of over 30 audiology clinicians, um, which for me personally, I know that there's been a lot of pushback against telehealth and there's been a lot of resistance to online businesses serving the hearing healthcare space. And for a company like yours, a startup with five years of experience to be able to pull together a team of 30 audiologists, I think it's a real testament to the real good work that you're doing. What do you, th what do you think are some of the real separating factors which separate you from the other players in the space that allows you to bring so many clinicians on board? Yeah, I think that's a super good question. Um, and, uh, you know, to be fair, I think it's, it goes back into kind of why we are here. And I think that mm -hmm. that's what speaks to the audiologists, uh, and the hearing aid specialists. And, you know, there's a lot, you know, to your point, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's online that, you know, what are they there for? They're there maybe to make a quick buck or, um, you know, they're not providing much that's new and valuable, right? Um, I think that, um, you know, we, we're very clear as to why we're doing what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing is to make it, to make it easy, accessible, um, and desired for folks to get something that um, uh, addresses their hearing loss. And we're doing so from a set of a set of like basic principles and understanding that everyone understands, including the audiologists. And so when we and we've always kind of on staff had ENT surgeons, audiologists, and uh, hearing aid specialists that were involved, um, you know, from the very beginning and throughout our process. And so the amount of clinical rigor and medical rigor that we apply to this 
is something that you know you usually don't see um, as well at that same level. So when we talk to the audiologists, you know, it would, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to underplay this, but it made sense to them. You know, when we said, hey, yeah. we're we're looking at we're looking at addressing this huge swath of people who would not otherwise get a hearing aid. We know they really need it, <laughs> and it would drastically improve their lives. So we're going to design a product that really fits what they need. And a lot of people aren't going to be able to get that access um, to a brick and mortar clinic. You know, why should they, you know, yeah. should we, should we find a way to make it easier for them? Should we find a way to improve access? And then, uh, yeah. and then being able to do so by not having the cost of a brick and mortar clinic and going direct to consumer, um, through our licensed professionals and uh, being able to kind of streamline and optimize the process, we can make it more accessible from a price standpoint too. And I think for the, for the audiologists and dispensers that, we, that we've talked to, and especially those that we brought on board, they understand it, they get it, and they love it. You know, that's, that's a mission for them. And what's really interesting for a lot of the folks that we bring on, you know, and you understand this well, you know, when you were trained as, uh, when you're trained as an audiologist, you know, you're trained on how to care for the person, how to understand um, their hearing loss and how to address it. Um, and that's patient care. There's so much that goes into, um, you know, running a clinic and building a business that some, some clinicians really love, uh, but at the same time is for others is taking away from their ability to just focus on and provide clinical care. And so the folks that we really liked were folks that said, you know, I am, you know, I am someone who's well-trained and experienced um, and really good at providing clinical care. And that's really what I want to focus on. And if through Ergo, you're giving me an opportunity to focus on just that and be able to, um, kind of help define what you know telehealth is in audiology and be able to offer like a really good product that i believe in you know that's really compelling to a lot of folks yeah um i guess if you're able to handle the sales aspect you're able to handle the back-end aspect and you're really allowing audiologists to thrive at what they've been trained to do yeah that really gives them the freedom to move and really grow in what they need to be doing because i know like personally i love sales but when i bring it up with my friends in the audiology <laughs> class they're like you want to do what <laughs> but and i yeah, think it's different types of very, folks, right i think very similar yeah. across the industry i think a majority of them really just love to help people. They love to engage with patients. They want to be giving them the best solution at the best price. And I guess there aren't really that many opportunities to do right. that because we do need to make a good business. We do need to manage the bottom line. But if you're able to get other people to kind of fill that role, I guess the clinician gets to thrive. Yeah, it, to your point, it depends on the type of clinician, right? And some folks mm -hmm. really love that entrepreneurial um, component of building a private practice. But for the folks that don't, you know, um, uh, there's fewer 
there's fewer of these types of um, opportunities. And I think for, I, I agree with you, I think it's the majority of folks that really went into audiology um, and clinical practice you know, of any sort saying, what do I want to do? I want to be there helping patients. Yeah. And the more, you know, I'm sitting there trying to deal with, you know, marketing operations, um, customer acquisition, billing, all that stuff. It's, 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 you know, it's not, it's not the thing that I want to wake up to do every day. And it, like, it's, you know, like I said, it depends on the person, but I think for the folks that, you know, um, that we work with, um, you know, who are fantastic clinicians, it's, it's really this opportunity to let them and we encourage them to focus on providing really excellent care. Yeah. Um, COVID has changed a lot of things for a lot of businesses in all industries. And we've certainly seen a huge hit in the audiology industry as a lot of our older clients who are probably one of the um, major demographics who are being hit hard in this COVID period, um, aren't able to come into clinic. How has um, COVID affected your business and how, what are some new implementations that you guys have introduced into the business that has really formed out of this season? Yeah, super good question. Um, and obviously COVID has been a shock to everybody, right? So, mm. uh, you know, earlier this year when it hit and it dawned on us, what was, what was coming down the pipeline, you know, obviously a lot of uncertainty. I think that, um, one of the things that, one of the things that benefited us was really this, um, that we had built up and iterated it on and continue to improve and optimize a, um, a telehealth and a remote mode of providing providing hearing aids and providing support and counseling and providing uh, care all remotely. And we had not done so obviously with with the foresight that something like COVID would come around. We had done so because you know it made sense uh, to the end user even without COVID um, that a lot of folks you know didn't want to have to drive somewhere or if they were living, you know, hours away from a clinic that they could access something uh, easily and that um, people wanted, you know, a lot of folks uh, really wanted an ability to get, get help support and devices wherever, whenever, and whenever they are. And, you know, um, again, you know, taking from different toolboxes, understanding that telehealth was something you know, years ago when we started this, that was coming on um, and mm. had a significant level of capability um, that it didn't, you know, decades ago. It was something that we said, let's let's really embrace this and understand how we can provide really excellent care and support remotely, right? And so, and that, you know, to a certain extent by chance happened to work fit really well into this um, this new kind of realm here where we had this giant jolt to the whole industry of COVID. Um, and our system of having remote sales and support and counseling, you know, fit, you know, fit into that very well. And so 
whereas there's a level of anxiety both uh, in terms of the uh, of the person who needs a hearing aid and the clinician of having folks visit um, uh, an in-person clinic and get tested and be around other other patients and whatnot you know we've never had that issue and whereas you know there may be uh, anxieties and barriers that would prevent people from uh, going to get the support and care that they need um, you know again we've never had that we've we've had years to basically uh, improve on and hone a uh, level of care that that uh, is extremely high quality good utilization great access um, and <clears throat> that's able to be done completely remotely and I think that's worked out really well so I you know the industry as a whole, as you may know, um, has had a pretty hard time uh, with with COVID. Um, you know, ergo, you know, uh, thankfully because uh, because of you know the effort that we put in over years has been able to uh, grow quite significantly during this period uh, because we're one of the only providers that's able to provide kind of full service care um, in addition to devices uh, remotely. And, you know, in this time, you know, uh, it's probably, probably tempting to just say, let's sit back and, and just, you know, um, let this ride the wave. Well, yeah, ride the wave. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, what we see this as an opportunity to say, let's put more emphasis on this. You know, people are, people have a real need. Let's use this as an opportunity to say, like, you know, if we're getting new people who wouldn't otherwise have wanted something remote let's continue to um let's continue to re-examine and improve our our offerings our capabilities and continue to hone at a at a significantly higher rate our ability to provide care and so you know the team uh, the team that we have at uh, ergo in terms of support and sales uh and clinical care is is you know, just amazing and working overtime to to continue to provide that to both handle the surge of of uh, interest, um, but also to um, also to continue to improve their processes. Mm. That's fantastic. Um, just beginning to wrap up. If a new client comes to your website, ego.com and wants to pick up the device, what's the process like? Um, maybe in four to five minutes um, from getting on the website to possibly seeking help from a clinician um, to receiving the devices. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's, a, there's a couple ways that are classic. I think you can go, <clears throat> you know, the by far the fastest way, just go online to ergo.com. And you can purchase the devices uh, right there, completely uh, online. And a lot of people do that. Um, and then, you know, from there, uh, once once you have your devices, you'll you'll have a reach out and a welcome call from one our one of our licensed professionals to start kind of engaging uh, in that care and uh, get you get you using the devices and understanding you know what hearing loss is. We also have a lot of um, uh, videos and information. Uh, to help to help you understand what it means to uh, get a hearing aid and get the most out of your hearing aid. So a lot of like um, uh, 
kind of a lot of the uh, a lot of that initial counseling is stuff that we've built up a uh, a kind of nice onboarding process too. Um, yeah, I have to say the videos are pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I support that. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, and, and the team's been fantastic at putting a lot of effort and making them making them really usable, easy, and um, you know, fun as well. It makes sense. And I wouldn't yeah. say half my videos make a lot of sense. So it makes sense. <laughs> a lot of yeah, a lot of good, a lot of good work and folks on that. Um, then the other way you could do it uh, classically is just you know, on our website as well. There's there's uh, there's a 1-800 number, you call that, and then you get um, uh, connected with, you know, our team. And if you have any questions, you know, they're extremely knowledgeable um, to take you through that um, uh, and you go from there. Awesome. So either way, we have, you know, a lot of people that uh, buy it straight online and a lot of folks that uh, call in to uh, ask questions. Obviously, you know, this is, this is uh, you know, a big consideration for a lot of folks. Um, and so totally fine if you have questions that, uh, uh, you want to call in to have answered. Awesome. So you would do your online hearing test and is that how you would get the audiogram or is that done through, um, when you get the hearing aids? Yeah. So, uh, so the online hearing, uh, uh screener is basically, um, I think it's, you know, it came that uh, we had a lot of folks who had asked, you know, I don't know what my hearing loss is. We do have a lot of folks that come in who have gotten an audiogram before. Um, And we have a lot of folks that come in who've, you know, never had an audiogram before. And they're just like, "Mm, do I, or don't I have a hearing loss? You know, someone, someone in my family's told me that I do, but I don't know. Um, And so, you know, we put up a screener uh, to help those folks who have that question. Um, but a lot of it comes from, you know, as, as they call in or as they talk to our trained professionals, we start to get an understanding of what their level of loss is. And, you know, they, they get their devices and the devices have a number of settings that cover mild to moderate hearing loss, uh, stereotypical high frequency okay. mild to moderate hearing loss. And we run them through the process of testing out these different programs to understand what works best for them. And if through that process, after they have their device, it, you know, it turns out that, um, you know, they they have too little or too much hearing loss, mm-hmm. you know, they can return their device. So I think it's a, awesome. you know, it's a relatively low risk approach, but again, an approach that was honed over time to say like, you know, how, um, how can we make this as seamless and easy as possible for people to get into a pair of devices and low risk for them as well. And, you know, uh, if in the conversation with the with the audiologist or specialist, you know, they say, you know, I have this particular type of loss or this is my condition. This is what I'm experiencing with the device. Um, there are settings that they can make, users can make on their phone and there's settings that the, uh, the clinician can push through um, over the cloud to the user uh, that uh, adjusts their device as well. So we just make it super simple on that front. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I was running a conference this afternoon, hosting one of the sessions and a really experienced um, trainer was mentioning that um, when you're in a clinic, she was giving us some really cool tips. And one which really stood out for me was 
when you go and call the patient from the from the the waiting room, speak really quietly and see how yeah. is how they're responding. See, um, are they having any difficulties? And after about 10, 20 years, you can almost definitely like draw an audiogram of what <laughs> the hearing loss is. <laughs> Whether yeah. it's like mild sloping, mild. <laughs> and I think as clinicians, I think a lot of you clinicians are quite knowledgeable and quite experienced and they intuitively know what kind of loss it is when they're on the call. Uh, I mean, that's exactly right. You know, I think when they're on the call, they, they've all developed a number of skills, both through their previous clinical experience and working at Yergo to say, okay, I just done a few questions and talking to the, uh, talking to the users, like, okay, I got a pretty good idea of where they are. And then from there, ask spouse some questions, ask, ask the family a few questions <laughs> after about, yeah. Yeah. You get a pretty, you get a pretty good sense. Um, but at the same time, you know, let's, you know, let's develop a nice, easy way for the user to then wear the device and give feedback and then adjust from there. And I think that really, you know, that kind of process to help tune in the device for the user and figure out how it best works for them is another piece of this, of this support and care that we do through uh, Ergo's telehealth. I guess a lot of clinicians will be quite worried about not having verification and not having audiograms fit to the specific hearing loss um, as you guys are just using preset, um, different settings and just cycling through them. What would you say to that? If somebody was quite worried that it isn't fitting their hearing needs exactly and, um, that concern. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, you know, these presets were, uh, things that we, you know, we, we talked about a lot in terms of, you know, well, how should we do this exactly? What's the right process? And this was something that, you know, we talked to a lot of audiology and medical specialists um, and things that were based on as well, you know, stereotypical losses, Bisgard audiograms, and things that we continued to iterate on. And it was really coming from a, what's the right balance of access and, um, and fitting? And, mm-hmm. you know, even initially, you know, when we first started, we had uh, uh, we had a process where, you know, we would take in people's audiograms and, um, uh, custom program the devices for them. You know, we had like a group that was doing that and it was funny. We thought that would, we thought that that would be a big part of it, but then yeah. barely any user took us up on that. <laughs> um, oh. and you know, it was, it was a few hundred dollars extra, but not much. It was a pretty small additional cost. Um, but it's like barely anyone took us up on that. And we, we ended up reaching out to a lot of folks who had the custom and the non-custom and the, the preset people were like, this is great. <laughs> and then we, we, you know, we brought a number of people in, we did deltas relative to kind of where their, where their, where their, um, you know, custom fittings would be versus the presets. And we're like, that's, you know, it works pretty well. And their their ability to their ability to run through the tests, um, you know, in booth were really good. And so, like, you know, as much as, in, again, this goes back into what is it? What are you designing for folks? As much as it makes sense for us to say we have to get it, we have to get it um, custom for the person and extremely precise. 
this is what people are asking for. This is what's been working well for them. Let's, let's lean into that. And we're always open and we're always exploring different modes of this. Um, but at the same time, this has worked out of, out of, you know, um, empirical and testing. I think if you guys are really still well. alive after five years and your customers are happy and, and, you're and still the thing driving. is we've tried, we've tried both. And so, you know, this has worked really well and made it much, much easier for people to get into a device. I and so that, that was the trade reinforces the real value in getting real good counseling and getting good support on the back end as audiologists. Yeah, and I, really I think that's, the- that makes it, yeah, you have it exactly. That, that makes it really uh, plausible and effective mm-hmm. is to, on the back end, be able to say, okay, let's understand what works for you and let's make adjustments as needed or help you help guide you into which preset to use because people may or may not pick the right one for them. And, yeah. you know, as you know, like the reality is even, even custom programs aren't always done well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the stats there. And so when we look at that and say like, we weigh off, um, you know, precise tunings versus mm. access, that mm. was the question that we took. And, you know, we have the capabilities to go both way is the reality of it. Um, and we found that this works extremely well for the vast majority of people. And going back to the original why of saying, how do we get more people who need hearing aids to use and love um, hearing aids? This was the best way. Awesome. Thank you so much, Daniel, for speaking with us. Um, I really love your passion for what you do. And um, something which you mentioned before really stood out for me. It's, you were saying that it's more than just a, more than just a devices. And I think that's really, it really shows in the way you've structured your company, the vertical integration from the clinicians to the design team to everybody up the chain. And I know we were speaking about this a few weeks ago that you still engage with customers, even though you have a 200 man team, um, you're still going to clinic, you're still finding out what people need on a day-to-day basis. And I really find it amazing um, the work that you guys do. And I'm excited to see um, how the industry will start to change and progress as more companies like Ego um, start to emerge and really force the industry to think about their solutions and whether it's truly the right solution for the problem. Um, also, where can people find you if they wanted to possibly reach out any clinicians who wanted to reach out to you or if somebody was interested in picking up a pair of ego hearing aids? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, thank you very much. And I think, you know, I think just building off on one point you quickly mentioned, I think that, you know, being really close to your customer is huge. You know, I, I still talk with customers every day, uh, not every day, but very frequently, I think. And, um, <laughs> There's a lot to do, but no, I mean, like, I think that, you know, we still talk to customers on a regular basis. We're extremely close to them, probably structurally more close to them because we also do sales and support um, Mm. than a lot of other hearing aid companies. And I think that's, that's something that, you know, we hold very near and dear to be able to say, like, we are constantly 
evaluating what's most important for customers and being willing to do the work to to um, to provide them solutions that make sense. And I think uh, I would encourage any company to be to do that and be really close to their customer. Um, in terms of you know how how people reach us and get devices, you know eargo.com uh, is you know the best uh, the best place uh, to go to get devices. People want to reach me; they can reach me on uh, LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, thank you so Fantastic. much. We'll leave all those links in the description, and also um, go over to the Hearing Tech News channel and hit the subscribe button because we should be checking out the Ego, um, the new Ego devices over the next um, few months. Awesome. Thank you so much, Daniel, Perfect. for um, so joining much, us today. Um, really appreciate it.